The Christian world needs more spirit-filled teaching. So often we have fiery preaching without substance or doctrine without life. But we seek to join the two. We seek to bring theology on fire. This is Andrew Wilkes. This is Leah Wilkes. And this is Theology on Fire. Hey everyone, this is Andrew, and I am here with a special guest, Nick Godshaw. So glad to have him on the show. He is a dean of academics and a professor um, of theology and other subjects at the Summit International School of Ministry in Pennsylvania. At least that's what I claim to be. (laughs) I hope that's what you are. That's why I brought you on. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I've actually heard some of Nick's testimony in the past, and I was really blessed because He said this, he said, I came from a flaky, charismatic background, but when I began to study theology, that's whenever really his Christian faith and his life began to become stronger, and it really took shape. So I want to talk to Nick today, and we want to find out what did that life used to look like, and how did theology actually change your life? How did God use this to bring you to be a Bible school dean? Because that's pretty cool to me. Yeah, that's quite a trajectory when you when you put it like that. But <laughs> no, I, I'm very grateful for the story that God's given me. I grew up feeling like a lot of church kids do, I think, where you believe that because you were basically born into the pew and you never got involved in any kind of heavy duty sin, I, I just don't have a testimony. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of church kids say that, and that's just not true. You know, everybody has a story of divine transformation, like God if you are one of his children, he has changed you in some respect. And, you know, it might look a little different from others, but it's still to his glory. And I had the the joy of being born in a Christian home. As I said, I was taught to love the Lord from an early age. We were always in church. Um, If the doors were open, we were there, whether my sister and I liked it or not. And uh, we were not even given the privilege of having like coloring books and cool stuff like that to do typically. It was That's like, tough. no, you will feel the presence of God and you will enjoy <laughs> being here. So, and, and looking back, I appreciate that. I, I'm grateful that, uh, you know, my parents instilled that kind of respect in us uh, for the Lord and for being with him and his people. Uh, but we, we did go to churches that were very charismatic. Uh, that was both good and bad, of course, like most things are in life. It was good because... I've never had a point in my life where I was not exposed to the movement and power of the Holy Spirit and of his gifts. Uh, The bad was generally those churches were kind of marked by an absence of clear theological teaching. And so things were very experience driven. Mm. Uh, The Bible was kind of a guidebook for determining your gifts and how many different ways you can exercise those gifts. And there wasn't really a system of checks and balances to say, hey, I don't know if we should be doing that. Does the Holy Spirit move that way? And so there were two distinct times in one church I went to when I was very small, the laughter movement came through. And oh, I was going to ask if there was like anything in particular that was like like that, like a movement. Yeah, I, I referenced that one a lot because people are pretty familiar with it. And actually, you know, we can talk about this later. Uh, that experience, and I think this is what's been a, a big marker for balance in my life, is I don't necessarily decry any form of, laughter anymore or joy like being exposed to these imbalances and even these errors has actually made me more responsible in the way that I think about them and evaluate so when I look back at that movement I can see wow that was really not the Lord that was not the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. Uh, people were rolling around on the floor for hours laughing at nothing and I when I say hours I mean hours like laughing at absolutely nothing just uncontrolled yeah and there was nothing transformative 
you know, and uh, nothing transformative. People got back up the same as when they first went down. They just said, oh, the spirit came upon me. And, mm. you know, I, I remember, and this had to be the mercy of God, the evangelist that was kind of leading the whole thing up was going by people and the, the catchphrase, because usually these movements have a catchphrase, I guess. This one was bubble up and he was sticking his fingers in people's bellies and saying, bubble up, bubble up in Jesus name. And I was seven years old, I think, sitting on the, on the, the chair and he comes by me and he pokes his fingers into my belly, says, bubble up, bubble up. And I'm just looking at him like, you're making me very uncomfortable right now, sir. And uh, my, I remember my mother was there and she just kind of put her arm around me and you know, the guy got the hint that I wasn't interested and my mom didn't want him doing that anymore. So he kind of moved on. It was a big church. There were plenty of other people to, to go and was, tickle. Was this in a cer <laughs> certain kind of like group of churches? No, it was independent. It was an independent charismatic church. Uh, at least I was too young to remember if there was uh, any connection with another group. Mm -hmm. um, I just remember that that movement came through. There were tw uh, two distinct times. That, and, that experience happened to people. And how old are you, just for reference? Because you're talking about the laughter movement. I'm 33 now. So this would 33. have been like late 80s, early 90s. Well, if I was seven, it was early 90s, yeah. Yeah, 92. <laughs> Roughly. Around, around there. Well, <laughs> Something 94. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm 33 as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah, same age. But uh, like I told you, I grew up Southern Baptist. Mm -hmm. So none of that was going on. Yes, yeah, so you had a mildly different experience, <laughs> I would say. A very, very different experience. Very different experience. And, and a lot of wonderful Southern Baptist churches out there mine was a bit more um, country clubbish mm. than it was even, I feel, gospel-focused, because I know they've got some wonderful, wonderful uh, Baptists out there mm -hmm. as well. So, okay, so laughter movement, this is kind of what I'm hearing then you said was it was just emotions? There, with some reality, there was, because you would see God genuinely do things in people's lives, uh, real miracles, um, but the the lack of understanding made everything so prone to imbalance and error. So like, here's, here's really what I'm talking about. So not only do you have a lack of restraint with regards to the movement of the spirit, you have no understanding of soteriology, your, your doctrine of salvation. I never, ever, ever once heard a sermon on being justified by faith. Never once wow. did I hear that. I would literally go to bed every night as a kid, as a young kid, terrified that if I died in my sleep, I would go to hell because I had sinned that day. Wow. You know, I, I just, this impression was just created in me because there was no teaching. I was just left to my own fears and presumptions. I would hear be holy for I am holy. Mm -hmm. You know, the spirit can't move if we're not right with God, that kind of thing. And, you know, I would go to bed every night like, yeah, I didn't have a good day today. Constant fear. Exactly. It just, it was, it was terrifying. And mm. I knew God was good. I knew the problem was on me. I didn't hate him for that or think he was cruel. Um, but I, I knew that no matter how hard I tried, I didn't have the strength to get it right. So that that's really the, the early part of your life. So as you're growing up from that time, and let's say maybe even middle school, teenager years, tell me what's going on in your life around that time with church. Is it kind of the same thing? Are you bouncing around churches? Are you in the same church? Oh, we bounced around churches all the time uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, the most common thing was, well, they're kind of dead. And then we would move <laughs> on to something else, oh, yeah. you know? Um, and actually my senior year of high school, we didn't go to church at all because we had a, a bad falling out uh, with the previous church we'd been attending uh, over the summer of that year. So summer of 2003 was the last time I'd attended church prior to going off to Summit, you know, for, for school. And, um, you know, that was a really interesting place. Those people were just shy of, uh, unfortunately, they were just shy of being like a, a cult in the way that they were thinking, the direction they were moving. Your previous church? That yeah, the, the, the last church that I attended as a, as a kid living with my parents. Yeah, they were getting into some pretty weird stuff. 
Um, but we stayed there for a while. Uh, but eventually we had a pretty bad falling out with the leadership and, and just had to go. It was, it was very sad. You know, you never feel like you have a spiritual home. You make friends. Uh, you know, I, I would do that very readily, you know, try to create a circle of friends and then you'd have to leave them all. Um, but it's under this, this narrative that, well, they're wrong and we're right. So you kind of walk out, at least I did this, you kind of walk out feeling like you're, you're in the right, you're justified. So it kind of contributed, at least in my case, to this religious pride that I would walk around with, you know, so you, you feel superior. You're as insecure as anything, but you feel superior. And that's, that's like the human heart at its finest, you know? <laughs> Isn't that so interesting? It's because I'm, I'm with you. I, so many times you feel proud, but yet you're insecure. Exactly. And it seems like two completely separate things, but really I think they're the same thing. Sure. Is a lack of humility in our hearts to be wrong, to be corrected, for someone to have other gifts than we have mm-hmm. or other life experiences or maybe they're further along than us. And so we can feel threatened and retreat and say like, no, I'm right. I know things. Yeah. I, I'm valuable too. So tell me, you're, man, this has just sounded awful if I'm just being <laughs> honest. I, I mean, why would you even want to go to Bible school whenever you've been through something like that? Because I've heard that a lot of people, whenever they go through a church split or they leave a church and they're bouncing around that they typically can just kind of fade out, you know, especially from high school to university age. Most people don't go back. They leave it. If they were ever born again, who knows? But the majority of people are, of young people are not going to go back to a church once they start attending college. And especially with those experiences, how did you even hear about Summit? Well, that was pretty funny. So the school was founded by David Wilkerson in 1994. And when it was first started and even continue after this, he would send out flyers for the school with his newsletter that would go out. And my dad got one of those flyers with David Wilkerson's newsletter in 1994. And he just stuck it in his Bible and kept it. You know, just randomly kept it. In 1994. In 1994. Whenever you were around seven years old. Yes. And so then 10 years later, I'm graduating from high school, 2004. And uh, I knew that I was called to ministry. I knew that when I was 15, I felt the call of God on my life uh, in a time of prayer, but I never felt settled on where to go and pursue my education. So my senior year, I'm coming up to graduation. I don't know where I'm going in the fall. I am not interested in taking a year off. I want to get to it. But I'm like, God, you're, you got to show me where to go, you know? And I didn't want to go to school in Pennsylvania. I grew up in Pennsylvania, lived there my whole life. I wanted to go far off and have a big college adventure, a godly one, of course, but a big college adventure nonetheless. And uh, so, but when you're desperate, you know, you, you beggars can't be choosers. So <laughs> my, my dad pulls the flyer out and he goes, hey, what about Dave Wilkerson's school? And I said, well, where is it? Oh, it's near Harrisburg. Oh, like, no. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> uh, um, what I find really interesting and kind of special about what you just said about that flyer was, the very same year someone poked your belly and said bubble up was the very same year <laughs> that God put a flyer in your father's hands for Bible school for 10 years later. Yeah. That's awesome. God was like, we got to rescue this kid before something bad happens. <laughs> Praise God. I, think I, know, that, right? I just think that's amazing. It is. I, I think he's work. I know he's working behind the scenes. Even when I was lost, he gave mm-hmm. me a love for like international people. Yeah. As a lost person that, now is kind of missions focused, but right. like you were doing this before I ever knew you. Hmm. It's amazing. I just see his it hand in remarkable. your life. So, so you get kind of pinned in here. Like you said, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. <laughs> There's a flyer from David Wilkerson 
And so you you apply. Was it a pretty simple application process? You, you got accepted and you started attending? Or yeah, It was simple. We actually went to visit before I even applied. Uh, it was only an hour away. So we went out for a Sunday service and I was hooked. I was like, I have to be here. Mm-hmm. Like the presence of God is here. I love the preaching. I love the students that I'm meeting. I've got to come to school here. I know this is what God wants. It's like deep calling out to deep yes, this pretty much. desire in you maybe that you didn't even know was there. Yep. I was ready to go, man. God so, created you with that in there. Yeah. I applied and got accepted and uh, I went September of 2004. It was pretty awesome. And the rest is history. It was a three-year program and uh, yeah, graduated in 2007 and I started teaching there in 2008. Okay, so you came from this flaky background. You didn't, from what I've heard, you really didn't have much spiritual stability as far as church membership was considered. Mm-hmm. Um, so how were you transformed or what happened in these three years? Because if I see someone like that and they come through three years of Bible school, my first inclination is not to offer them a teaching job at that same school. <laughs> so I'm just thinking that in this three-year period, there's something going on that I don't know about. So talk to me. What did God do? Oh, it was it was wildly transformative. Now, I, I, I will throw in there, you know, as, as crazy as stuff was growing up, you know, just the church culture and that whole context, I really did love Jesus. I really did. And, and that was something that I, I owe to my parents. They did instill that in me. And I've, I've found that just when I see people who are in error uh, and have a lot of misunderstanding about, you know, the Bible or about God, his ways, uh, the way the spirit moves, you can still see deep affection for Christ in them. And I've learned not to overlook that or despise that mm. uh, because very often like those people are, you can have a lot of zeal and ignorance, you know, and you can be so zealous for the honor of God, but because you don't know how to go about it the right way, you, you end up getting drawn away after stuff that is ultimately unhelpful. And I think that's mainly what happened with me. And so I I really loved God. So there was change happening in my life, not a lot of maturity, a lot of misunderstanding. So when I got to Summit, I was like devouring everything that the teachers would throw at us. Um, And I I just soak it up. I learned to pray there like I'd never prayed before. Uh, Summit is very unique since its founding. Uh, We've had this policy that now we call being unplugged, where you give up your personal electronic devices mm. during the semester, which sounds like death uh, to our Gen Zers who usually grace us with their presence now every September. But no one's died from giving up their phone yet. Uh, you know, no one's died from not having access to, uh, you know, Twitter or Facebook or Insta- I don't even know what they use anymore, man. Like, I don't have an Instagram account or anything. <laughs> but like none of these things, they don't, they don't die from not having it. And it's actually the biggest draw. So, and back then it wasn't as big of a deal because right. I didn't even have a cell phone. Right. My first cell phone was after I graduated. My parents were like, here, happy graduation. It's like, wow, I've never had one of these before. It was the size of a brick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I actually played ping pong with one one time and, and won. That's, that's great. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That's the best repurposing of a cell phone I think I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. You know, so um, those hours that you would normally spend uh, wasting, you know, playing video games or watching movies because you don't have access to that. You're like, well, I can either build relationships with people that I've really come to love and have a strong camaraderie with, or I can spend time with God and build my relationship with him. And I got to do both of those in a very uninterrupted way. Uh, for three years of my life, and it was really powerful. So do you think, uh, I think I know the answer, but so it sounds like you had community, Mm -hmm. right? You had scriptural teaching, 
mm-hmm. and the moving of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And was the staff pretty consistent throughout those three years, meaning it was the same people really yeah, kind of sowing were. into your life? They were, and that really helped as well. Uh, you had consistent people sowing into you. Uh, where they were not consistent is that they weren't always the same people. I remember watching my teachers grow over the course of those three years, and that is what always struck me. Like, I could see them growing in the grace of God. Mm. So the fact that you've got the same person standing in front of you for maybe six hours a week, depending on how many different courses they're teaching, you can get used to hearing them and seeing them. Uh, You know, you can get tired of seeing them and hearing them because you're living in this kind of uh, terrarium, if you will, and it's very closed like a bubble. Um, You grow there, but it's like, man, I can see this guy growing like he's different. Something something's happening in him like he's spending time at the feet of Jesus. And so then you're not just following after them because of what they're saying. You're you're following after them because of what you see getting produced in them. That's awesome. So is there maybe one particular class that really struck you or was like this because now you're a dean, right? And you said that after those three years, you began to teach. So you've been in this consistency of people, consistency of teaching, consistency of the moving of the spirit. So I can see bricks, kind of spiritual foundation or Mm -hmm. bricks being laid on what your parents gave you, that love for Jesus. But like what sparked you to say, this is what I want to do? Because you've been there for 10 years on the staff, right? 15. <laughs> if you count my time as a student. Yeah. I've been there for, yeah. Teaching for 13 years. For 13. So, I mean, yeah. but what triggered this? I mean, what did, did you just see one day it was just a snap or was it a slow growing process in you? Or? It was a slow growing process. I think, you know, I remember saying in my, my first year that, man, I, I think it'd be really cool to teach here someday, but I didn't have a passion for teaching. Um, and that kind of faded away. And I, I felt God had called me to missions and then I went to do missions and I realized God had not called me to missions. <laughs> that was an interesting story. But it was while I was living on the mission field that um, I, was, I was in Nigeria. I was there for about half a year after I graduated. It was there that God really began birthing a passion for teaching and pastoral ministry in there because I was doing, I was, it, it was working with a medical missions group who would go into the bush and we would offer free medical care. Uh, but I don't know a thing about medicine. You know, so they were like, oh, here, you're the Bible student. You just uh, graduated from school. So we're going to send you all the witch doctors and incurable diseases so you can pray for them to get healed. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) sure, I'll take that mantle. And it was life changing. But the thing that happened was in doing all of the, there was a lot of counseling that happened because people would come in and their issues were primarily spiritual. Mm. They would say they were a Christian. And you would find out, like, these people are not born again. Mm. They have no idea what the gospel is, uh, what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And so you're literally starting from square one with sometimes, I, w- I would say, up to 50 to 100 people a day in some cases, just having to lead them to Jesus in a fresh way that they've not before. Because most of them had gotten, you know, quote unquote, saved or converted in like a, a mass uh, gathering. And right. if you want to give your life to Jesus, raise your hand. And, you know, usually that was not accompanied by ongoing discipleship and you would see it. Mm-hmm. And there was like, you just developed this burden. Like, my God, I want to lead people to you, Lord. I want people to know that they're saved, what they believe and why. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I learned a lot during that time that couldn't really be developed in the classroom. You know, it couldn't really be learned in there. And so that was a very, very integral part 
Uh, and so it was during that time I actually got the offer to come back and teach once I finished serving uh, overseas, and I, I accepted that. I was very excited. But when I really started taking a turn toward a, a more academic interest, because for me, teaching was a lot more devotional, because uh, that's what I was primarily exposed to. Uh, and in a lot of ways, that was what marked my learning experience at Summit. You know, like it, I would never trade it for anything, you know, but a lot of our a lot of our study notes in our classes were coming from, you know, study Bibles that you could get off the shelf at Lifeway for 20 bucks or something. It's like, wow, people are paying thousands of dollars for this this experience. We, we, we got to up our game a little bit. I mean, but everybody, nobody would ever think about that because what God would do in the chapel services and in your times of prayer was so beyond what you could ever think to pay for. It's like, you can't put a price tag on this kind of experience with God, you know? Um, but as I started getting more involved in the academic scene, I was like, you know what? I want to do what I can as a teacher to learn more, to offer something more theologically robust, uh, something deeper biblically, stuff that you can't get for 20 bucks at Lifeway. So it sounds like you wanted to dig deeper for yourself. Yeah. Well, not just for me, but even to give that to my students. Amen. Amen. So what, what did you do? Well, I got a better study Bible. <laughs> and uh, actually, th this, was a real, this was really pivotal. Just with what you're asking, I, I can't fail to mention this. So when I first started teaching there, uh, the guy who was serving as our dean, I never had him as a teacher. He came in right before I did. His name was Xavier. And he was sharp. He was really sharp. And he was the first person who listened to me share what God had spoken to me about a passage of scripture and said, how do you know that's what that verse means? And I was really taken aback. It's like, let's be honest. If you're Pentecostal or charismatic, you just don't ask those questions. You you just say, well, "Amen, brother. What a word from the Lord." You know, and you just kind of you just kind of leave it there. And he asked me this question, and I'm I got kind of angry, and I'm like, because the Holy Spirit told me, and I thought that in my head. Um, but I realized I I don't know why I'm right, which means I really could be wrong. What if I am not using God's word? the way that God intended it to be used. And so as I started hanging out with him more and talking with him more, he started pointing me to different books and authors and lecturers that I'd never heard of before. And I learned a lot. So there were a lot of sacred cows that got slaughtered for me, ways that I had always understood scripture, uh, things I was very comfortable with believing that got challenged and shaken. Uh, there were things I had preached prior to that that I knew I will never be able to preach it that way again. Have you burned the records? <laughs> no, no, I still have them. I think they're good memories, you know, because it just, it reminds me that, you know what? God does not need us to, to be fully right in order to communicate his truth. Mm. So I, I don't, no one ever needs to feel like, well, I don't have the right credentials, so therefore God can't speak through. That's a ridiculous idea. That gives me hope. Uh, it's, it, it should give, every, it gave me hope because I'll tell you what, I don't know how I didn't lead anybody astray the first like seven years oh, of my teaching wow. career. I'm not kidding, man. I'm really not. Um, I, I literally, my students had to suffer through me growing through all of that, you know? And so I started listening to more of these lectures, reading heavier books that I'd not engaged with before. And I, I grew so much, uh, grew a lot more confident in my ability to, to read the Bible, to understand it, interpret it and hand it off to other people, uh, you know, to deal with questions, you know, more intelligently, more faithfully. Um, and then God opened a door for me to go back to school actually and get my degree, uh, actually back in 2017. And so I'm still in school. <laughs> and, and where, where is that? Uh, it was through Lancaster Bible college. So I, I finished undergrad with them because the summit's non-accredited, you know, so our, I, I got a diploma 
in Bible theology and ministry, and that's still what we give for the completion of our program. You know, but I, I went back to finish my degree because they accepted all of our credits. So I finished undergrad with them in, in 2018, uh, and then I, I went immediately into seminary. So I'm pursuing uh, my MA in biblical studies and my MDiv. Right now, they've got a really good program. You can do those concurrently without killing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm about halfway through. So February of 2022, I'm I'm done. And you're going to hear me shout from uh, from Pennsylvania. Wow, I know. I'll see it online. I know your wife will post about it. Oh, yeah. So today, what's next? So you're, you're going to continue studying, right? Mm-hmm. You're, continue, you're really slogging through. Um, I know that with everything with corona, things were paused. We actually have a, uh, a young person from my home church, First New Testament Church in Baton Rouge, who was attending there. So mm-hmm. that person's actually come home uh, for this semester. They went to online classes, but you're going to be back in session this fall, right? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We're, we're praying that there won't be too many uh, impositions laid on us by uh, our local government because uh, different states are going to have different policies for schools reopening as far as safety measures. We don't know what, there's, what those are going to be yet. We're praying that they're minimal, um, but we are reopening in September. So could you take a couple of minutes, talk to us? I really just want you to plug uh, summit, how you know, give an opportunity because maybe you're listening right now and you're saying, "Wow, this really speaks to my heart. This speaks to where I am. I want to go deeper." Maybe you have a solid church, but maybe you're just saying, "I feel God calling me, and I just want some focused equipping time." So, what would you say to that person about Summit and even in the application process? Well, I would happily give a plug for Summit, <laughs> and actually, that that young lady uh, that you referenced, she did a fine job. Represented FNT very, very well. Um, and she's going to be sharing uh, at a service coming up, you know, at the time they're recording this podcast, uh, talk about her experience. But um, for people who are feeling like they want more, maybe you don't feel called to ministry per se. If you do, that's great. But even if you don't, you just want a more solid biblical foundation. Summit is the place to consider. It really, really is. Our application process is very simple. You can find it all online. Uh, my wife is actually our admissions coordinator, and she works with everyone who uh, puts in an interest form or fills out an application. She does personal phone calls because she wants to walk everybody through uh, the process. Um, but I would say that Summit is your, your best option, uh, not just because I've, I've got bias, you know, but the reason it's your best o- uh, option is because not only are you going to learn there, but you're going to be changed there. You're going to get to know Jesus better, and you're going to become more like him. Uh, it's kind of like this neat habitat we've created for people to come in. All distractions are removed because uh, I, I give this example every year. Every one of us has experienced the the guilt, that lack of productivity guilt that comes from, oh my gosh, I just binge watched YouTube videos for like 45 minutes to an hour. What is wrong with me? You know, um, we've all done that. Uh, you don't have access to that. And so you're in this environment where you're with people who love Jesus as much as you do, uh, who will challenge you uh, to grow and think more broadly than you ever have before. You're going to be in classes that are going to get you really grounded in the word, uh, not just in what you believe, but in why you should believe it. Um, And in the midst of all of that, you're going to have transformative encounters with Christ uh, in chapel services when we have corporate worship and in times of personal prayer. And let let me throw this in there too, Andrew. Our day starts at 6 a.m. For everybody. That's actually a policy. Everybody gets up at six o'clock. Uh, and the reason we do that is because your first class starts at eight. And between six and eight, we want you to not only get yourself fed, showered, etc., ready for class. We want you to have an hour of uninterrupted devotions with the Lord. 
Now, we, we don't punish people for not doing that. We don't want to send the wrong message with it. But what we've done is we have furnished our students with time and a structure that says, hey, spend time with the master. Sit at his feet. Get to know him. Let him speak to you. Uh, and that becomes a discipline in your life that just sticks with you. And you don't want to give it up because you just enjoy it. I still am so deliberate about having morning devotions with the Lord uh, every day because of my time at Summit. Is it always an hour? No. You know, I'm a, I'm a working adult. I've got a family. And, you know, sometimes things don't just lend themselves to 60-minute periods like that. But I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm going to be in his word. And I need to talk with him uh, on a daily basis. So where can people go for more information? They can go to summitpa.org. That's our website, summitpa.org. Uh, and you can click on the admissions tab. And you'll be walked through the process of how you can do that. And we'll get you going into enrollment. Thank you so much for coming on. This is exciting. Um, I know I'm past the age limit and uh, where I am in life as far as going there. But uh, had that been God's plan for my life, I know I would have greatly enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, you're not past the age limit because we go up to 35. But I know, past that I point wish. in life, that's yeah. between you and Jesus. But hey, if uh, 17 no, to 35. I've, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. It would have been amazing. If you, if you really feel like the Lord is talking to you right now, just go check it out, summitpa.org. Go there. They even recently did an on-campus viewing. They show you the dorms. They show you the classrooms, interviews with Nick and William Carroll and several other people there. You won't be disappointed. And even if it's not for you, perhaps you have a friend that you could share this with, or maybe you'd like to share this information with your church. Uh, but go check it out, guys. And um, I just want to pray with us right now, and then we'll close this out. God, thank you so much for this day. And I just pray right now, truly. I just really believe that you're going to touch someone's heart, God. And I just pray that you would just speak to them and do in their lives whatever you want. And I just pray for this school of ministry that as they move forward, you would allow them to move forward without many restrictions and that these lives would be transformed. Mm -hmm. And in this world that is so confused right now, there would be people who bring the answer and would be the answer, the hands and the feet of Christ on the ground ministering to broken hearts, God. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Theology on Fire. Please subscribe so you won't miss new episodes. All of our information and contact details can be found at theologyonfire.org.